Hello and welcome to this podcast. The purpose of this broadcast, this recording, is to give some simple explanation and definition of biblical terms and words that are used regularly in the Christian faith. Define those, discuss those in simple, uh, common language, and at the same time, staying faithful to what God says in His Word. Okay, let's get started. We'll start where we always must start. We start with God. We start with God, we continue with God, and we end with God because God has always been, He is, and He will always be. So there's never been a time when God was not. God has always been and will always be. God is not flesh and blood like us. He is spirit. Every bit as much real as us, more so, because he created us. But we, we think of things in physical terms, but there are a lot of things that, that we deal with that, that are things that you can't see or touch or, or feel. Just for example, just a few of those. Uh, joy is something we feel, but it's certainly not something you can put your finger on. Uh, heartache, the same, same thing. The wind... We know that there's wind, but we don't. We can't see it. We can't touch it. We can't hold it. We don't know where it comes from, and we don't know where it goes to ultimately. God is spirit, has always existed. Now, there's one God, only one God. There's never been more than one God, and his name by his own description in, in the Bible, which we'll come to in a few minutes, uh, is Yahweh. That's the holy name of God. And God exists eternally forever in the past and, and now and forever in the future. God eternally exists as three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God who exists eternally as three persons. These three persons are the same in the sense that they're each God and that they have um, God-like qualities that are not different from one of them to the other. They're completely holy. That's another thing we'll talk about more later, but it just means perfect in every way. God is not like us in the sense that we have a personality that you might say that person is a very loving person. That person is an angry person or that person is uh, a suspicious person. God doesn't have personality. He has what are called attributes, which are who God is as best we can understand because God is so much greater and so much larger than, than anything our minds can even conceive of. But he's shown himself to us in the Bible, in his word, which, again, we'll talk about more in a, in a bit. But so when we speak of the attributes of God, 
We're not speaking of how God acts, but who God is. For example, God is love. He doesn't act loving. He is love. So he he can never do anything that is contrary to his love nature. And, and even nature is not a really a completely accurate word, but it's who God is. So God is love. God is holy, meaning that, that he is perfect in every way. There's no sin. There's not even a shadow of something wrong. He's, he's a perfect light. Uh, God knows all things. Everything that can be known, God knows. God is all-powerful. There's nothing that God can't accomplish, but God never acts in his power contrary to his love and his holiness and the other attributes. God never changes. He's perfect. He can't become less. He wouldn't be God. He can't become more because he's already perfect in every way. God is fair in everything he does. God is merciful. Mercy means that God doesn't give us what we do deserve. We we deserve to die, but God doesn't do that because he's merciful. But he's also grace, and grace means he gives us what we don't deserve. I've heard it said that those are like, one coin with two sides. Mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. The most famous example of grace is that God gives us eternal life, which again we'll come to in further uh, detail later. But he gives us a right relationship with him and the ability to live forever with God. So those are just a few. We could go on for a long, long time. So I want to shift gears and talk about creation. So God always existed. There was never a time when God was not. But there came a point in time, even science recognizes this today, what they call the Big Bang. There came a point in time when God created all things from nothing. Before then, there was nothing. There was nothing but God, and God is spirit. There was not space. There was not time. There was not matter. There was only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. And God spoke and created in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth uh, that's found in the first verse of the first book of the Bible Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 so God created all things he created the water he created the mountains the rivers the trees the lakes uh, all the stars the, the whole universe and everything we know of and he placed everything in the perfect place. And if you look at creation and you study it from a scientific standpoint, you'll see that if the earth was located anywhere else, even just slightly different, you could not have life. And so God God has created all things. And the, the ultimate part of God's creation was you and me when he created people. He created us from nothing. It says that 
that he made us in his image and he created us both male and female. And so originally when God created us, there was, there was no bad, there was nothing bad, there was no death, there was no sickness, there was, there was nothing. It was all good. It was perfect. But man, men and, the man and woman, Adam and Eve, turned away from God. They, they quit trusting God on something, he, something simple. He told them, he said, all of these uh, things in the garden you can eat from, but this one tree, don't eat of this tree. And they fell um, into sin by believing uh, Satan and again, we'll talk about him more later. And and they turned away from God by doing that. And then they became flawed. They became having a sin nature. And that sin nature can't have any fellowship or relationship with the holy God. And so man and God were separated. And the whole rest of the story is about us being brought back to God, being reconciled to God, being made right with God, which is accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ. We will spend more time on that later. So God's creation, God created everything. We've touched on sin, how it came into the world. Sin simply means not doing what God has said to do, are doing what God has said not to do. It's missing the mark on living the life that God created us, me and you and everybody, to live. People can say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, that that's fine, but that doesn't change the fact that God lives and God is and God loves you. And you cannot believe in him as strongly as you want, and he's still going to believe in you and he's still going to desire a relationship with you, uh, which we'll discuss when we come to salvation. The sin separated us, and so the Word of God is 66 books. The Old Testament is the earlier part, and the New Testament is the later part. These 66 books were written by God through people. If, if I write something on a piece of paper, it's the pen that actually does the writing, but I'm moving the pen. God moved the pen, so to speak, in the hands. He moved the spirit and the soul uh, and the mind of the, the writers of the 66 books to, to create the Word of God. And it is, as it was originally recorded, it is, it is without error. Now, because it was originally recorded, the Old Testament primarily in Hebrew and the New Testament primarily in Greek, for other people that don't speak Hebrew or Greek to, to read the Word of God, it has to be translated. And so the translation... Of, of those original writings is not without error, although I've not ever found an error in it, but we would say that, that man has translated it so it's not in its perfect form, 
but people have studied it carefully, and there are no significant differences that change anything whatsoever important to the principles of, of God and the principles of Christianity and our relationship with God. Now, some people say, well, how do we know it's right? Well, let me just put it like this. First off, if you read it and you read it with a heart open to God, you will know that it is the Word of God. You will, you will come to know that it's not like any other book that you've ever read or ever even heard of because it's not a book. It's the living Word of God. Now, there are far, far, far more uh, references and sources for the biblical writings than for anything else that's ever been written. There are a lot of ancient writings that, that what, for example, Plato or, or Aristotle, if, if, if you read something written by them, what was written down was written down hundreds, if not a thousand or more years after they had died based on oral tradition and, and some writings. In the case of Scripture, there, there are writings for everything, for every, every book in the Bible. And, and there's not just one or two of them, but there are hundreds and thousands of them, and, and they're still being found uh, even into these modern times. The Word of God is so well documented and it, it's so complete. It was written by so many different people over thousands of years in different circumstances. Some of them were in prison. Some of them were in palaces. Some of them were well-educated. Some of them weren't educated at all. But from the opening to the end, it's a consistent story. It could only be the Word of God. I want to change to, to a word, faith, Faith is to trust in or believe in, to, to put your trust in something or someone. Now, the primary faith that, that we need to know about is saving faith. And we're going to speak about salvation next, so I'll just kind of open that door somewhat by saying it like this. We can only be made right with God through Jesus. We're going to talk about what Jesus accomplished, but it, it's by us placing our faith, our trust in, our belief in who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. And so let's talk about that so we understand what we're putting our trust in. God, throughout the Old Testament, there are hundreds of references to the coming Messiah, the Savior who was to come. And, and so every, almost everything detailed about Jesus' birth and life and, and death and resurrection is covered hundreds or thousands of years before he was ever born as a human. So there came a point in time that was decided by God before any of this ever happened 
that Jesus would be born, that God would become man. That's where the word Emmanuel, God with us. So when Jesus was born, he was completely human, but he was also completely God. Now that stretches our our understanding, but that's just the truth. He he never lost his his status as God, but he was fully human and he was tempted and tried in every way that every person is and and much more so than almost all, if not all of us. So Jesus came uh, born to, to Mary, but not through human conception, but through divine conception. The, the Holy Spirit of God, um, conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary without there being any uh, relationship. It was, it was just accomplished by God, God the Holy Spirit in Mary. And Jesus was born, and he grew up, and he lived his life. He, he was tempted in every way we are. He was tried in ways that we can't even imagine, and yet he never sinned. He never violated what God had sent him to do, what God told him to do, and, and, and he knew not to do. He never violated any of those things. And so that's the only way we could be made right with God is that if there was a perfect sacrifice, because God is holy, he can't just say, oh, well, I won't worry about that. Holiness can have nothing to do with unrighteousness. So God sent his son in the, as a person while still being God, lived a perfect life. He came for the very purpose of dying on the cross for you and for me and for all people, that that his blood would be shed, that that's the payment for all sin, past, present, and future. They are paid for in full by the finished work of Jesus, by what he did when he came to earth, lived a sinless life, Uh, took my penalty and your penalty, paid for our sins with his life, with his blood on the cross. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. God God put the life back in him. He, He was raised by God, which proved that he was who he always said he was, that he is God. Uh, He defeated death for us. And so that's where our trust comes in. We put our trust, our faith, our belief that Jesus is God. He lived a sinless life that he did all this and then he made a way for us. That's what it means to believe in Jesus, to believe that he is God, the Savior, who died for you and I and paid for our sins, and that by trusting in, believing in Jesus, we become reconciled or brought back, made right with God through the finished work of Jesus, what he did, and as we're made right with God, then we, we become a part of God's family. We're adopted by God back into his family that sin separated us from his 
his original intention. He's always, man has always had a, a free will, man meaning people. And we exercise that free will to our own demise, but Jesus, but Jesus did what we couldn't do so that we could be brought back to God. And that that's a gift from God. That's why the, the well-known verse, John, the Gospel of John, one of the books in the New Testament, the fourth, fourth book, says that God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, would be reconciled to God and made right with God. And so that's a gift from God. It's by grace. That's where he gives us what we don't deserve. By grace, he made this available to us. And so it's a gift, and we receive that gift by faith, by putting our trust, our belief in Jesus and what he's done. And the instant we believe in Jesus as our Savior, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved, not by anything we've done, not by the words we speak, but by us taking our faith and putting it solely on Jesus, that, that he is our He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other name, no other person, no other way for us to be made right with God and to have eternal life with God except by Jesus and his finished work. And that's what salvation means. It's from God from start to finish. We have no part in our salvation. There's nothing we can do to to save us. There's nothing we can do to add to the finished work of Jesus. It's just what he said. He said from the cross, it is finished. And that means that, that he had accomplished for us what we could never accomplish for ourselves. And so I think that's a good place to to stop this first session on discussing these important words and and principles and truths of, of God and his kingdom and his word and his relationship with people. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope that you've been encouraged. I'm encouraged to share this with you. I learn along with you. We encourage one another. So we hadn't talked about prayer, but I'm going to pray, which simply means we're doing what God said. God told us to pray. And to pray means to speak to God and to listen to God, and it, it's putting our trust in God. And I'm going to pray the simplest but most powerful prayer I know of. Lord, help me. Lord, help us. Help each one who hears this. Help us, if we've never been saved, to become reconcile with God the Father by faith in God the Son, by faith in the finished work of Jesus. And if we have been made right by grace alone, a gift from God through faith alone, belief and trust in Jesus, been saved, then may we grow in our faith and grow in our likeness uh, to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you.